Hi, it's Michelle. Welcome to this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit You Channel. I appreciate you joining me here. I want to remind all of us that this is a whosoever will channel. The goal of God is not that we are perfect, but that we allow ourselves to be perfected. Therefore, wherever we are in our process, as long as we are intent on seeking him, he is willing, ready, and able to the extent that he has already finished his work to allow us, to bring us in, to guide us along. Because of his level, infinite level of inclusiveness, then we also must demonstrate that. We are going to be different in all sorts of ways. But we have to respect and honor the fact that God made a way for all of us, not just some of us. And to say anything different is a lie. To those who know to do good and do it not, to those people, that is sin. So let's just be clear that we are not here in any way, shape, or form to talk about anything or anyone but God and the rest of us. That really is how he sees it. Him, God the Father, God the Son, God Holy Spirit, and the rest of us. Deity versus humanity. That being said, let's hop right in to today's conversation and dialogue around continuing the series, pivoting out of cursing into blessing. It's time to trade your ashes for beauty. So here we go. Isaiah 61. I'm in the King James. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God. Now, we like this part. We like saying these parts. Not understanding the process that's behind this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. Hath, if you're in the King James, hath. H-A-T-H is has. Has anointed me to preach good tidings, good news, salvation, the gospel, good news. Unto the meek. Not the weak, the meek, strong yet humble. Preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal, to restore, to begin the process of restoration and healing. To proclaim liberty to the captives. This is all spiritual context, by the way. Spiritual context. Supernatural context, not natural context. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now, there's a whole lot just in that verse. But today we're going to focus on verse 3. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to read all of verse, uh, chapter 61 in Isaiah. And then at some other point, I'll come back and catch some of the other things in the other verses. As the Lord wills. But for now, we're easing down to three. We're going to bypass, not bypass, continue through to verse 11. And then at some other time, I will catch the nuggets and what God is sharing in the other verses. Today, we're going to focus focus on verse three. So this is verse two now. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord 
and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. This is all supernatural context, which has been manifested in and through our humanity. Verse 3, to appoint unto them or to them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. He's turned my mourning into dancing. (laughs) Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So we have mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and we have mourning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, and you will likely, again, as the Lord leads, I don't take anything for granted or I don't make any presumptions about that, but I'm sensing that in the future there will be a segment on the morning that it that dissipates and breaks away the morning the morning m o r n i n g that breaks away that tears away that releases us from m o u r n i n g morning so he says to give uh the oil of joy for morning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness thank you jesus that they might be called trees. Now understand, and this is this is one of those things we'll have to have another conversation about clearly, because there's a scripture in the New Testament that talks about when Jesus uh, spit on the, in the mud and then rubbed it on the man's eyes. And, and we look at that, it is a physical event. It is an actual natural event, a manifestation of something. But also God in his infinite wisdom is showing us something through that. Because what he says, Jesus says, what do you see? And he says, I see men, I see people as trees. Now, that's probably true from his standpoint because he didn't have sight before. But it's also a reference to the fact that we are considered trees in the kingdom of God. And they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bring forth their fruit in season, instant in season and out of season. All of this, read the whole Bible. All of this is part of the plan and purpose of God for him to use the people that are willing and obedient to him to bring forth blessing. Fruit, what fruit? Read Galatians 5, 22, 23. Love, peace, joy, restoration. It may not use the term restoration, but it's part of the process. Healing, self-governance, self-control, patience. Right? The fruit. That's the fruit of the tree. Don't get me wrong. There may also be fruit on the tree. But the fruit of the tree, right, is Holy Spirit fruit. What got Adam and Eve in trouble? A tree. But we are considered those trees. That's why this process is so important for us to understand. We are the trees of the kingdom. What do trees do? Good ones. Good ones bring shade. They bring life. They purify the air. They are deeply rooted. They provide shelter in many instances. So understand the spiritual context of what we talk about, not just the events that are accounted for here, because through every event, God is speaking and showing us something about who he is, but also who we are in and through him. That they, might, uh, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. 
that he might be glorified. Uh, verse 4, and they shall build the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the great high priest. Therefore, if we are walking according to the spirit, we also become priests, just not the high priest. Just like he is the only begotten son, we are sons by adoption, by position. It doesn't have anything with gender. It's a positional reference from the spiritual uh, context, spiritual context. Spirit, soul, body. We look body, soul, spirit, and most of the time we're not even considering the either the congruence or the incongruence of those three. Jesus says, you look on the outside body. I look on the inside, what you believe and what you're thinking. I'm looking at your spirit and your soul. You're looking at everything else. But you shall be named priests of the Lord. Or not we called that in the New Testament? Men or other humans shall call you the ministers of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall you boast yourself. Now, now I'm not going to go into the difference, <laughs> because we like to use some of these things uh, in, in a, you know, we use these as pejorative terms, meaning negative and degra uh, uh, degrading. That is not, that is not now, nor has it ever been the term, the way that the Lord is using these words. He's using them, first of all, in this period of time, whoever is, is writing this, and, and I'm saying whoever because I don't want to get into the, uh, what is it that we like to do, the uh, posturing and the, and the um, there's a word that I'm thinking of, I can't, I can't catch it right now. But there is a, something that we do when we read the Bible that we are trying to prove our knowledge about something rather than actually trying to receive the revelation that the Lord is bringing us by his spirit. Right now, the, the focus is on the revelation, not the information. The information is used to bring revelation, but even if we didn't have information, because Holy Spirit already has the information, the revelation would still come. On the other hand, if we're focused on the information, we may never get revelation. But we think we have revelation, and I understand that I have to get back to verse 3. So just continue to walk with me, and we'll talk more about these things later. But the way in which we use things to describe and distinguish ourselves from each one another or other people from others, this is not what this means. These are terms, distinctive terms to designate where specific groups of individuals were in terms of their faith, their worship processes. It does not mean that God has ever excluded them. And we need to be clear about that. For your shame you shall have double, and for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering, and I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Where's the everlasting covenant come from? Read the New Testament. So there is a covenant. Clearly, 
There's the old covenant and there's the new covenant. But the distinction is that the old covenant required fulfillment of the entire law. Jesus breaks it down and he says, here, are the, here, here you go. Because they, they were testing him. They were trying to catch him. They were trying to trip him up. They were trying to throw him under the bus. They said, okay, well, according to, since you know so much, Jesus, uh, what, are the, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? Not what is a commandment, not what are some of the 600-plus commandments under the 10 categories we call 10 commandments. It's 10 categories of commandments, each of which has its own set of sub-commandments contributing to that greater thing. So they want to test them. What is the greatest of all of these? Operating out of knowledge. Right? Operating out of knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Cheese puffs. Love builds up. So there's a difference. If I am puffed up in my knowledge, then I'm just trying to build myself up. If I love, then my focus by the Spirit of God is on building someone else up. That's the distinction. So he says, out of the 10 categories, the 600 plus uh, laws attached to those categories, he says, here are the greatest two. The, all of this, all of this that you could never fulfill and to this day have not fulfilled, all of this can be boiled down to two. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. So then people want to get, and I'm getting off track a little bit, but I know, Isaiah 61.3, people want to get into all of the wrangling about with words, which we're not supposed to do, by the way, over, well, what if I don't love myself? Or what is the per? That's not what he said. He's not speaking to that. The spirit of Christ is a spirit of prophecy. So he's not speaking to what we are. He's speaking to what we're supposed to be and what we will be if we allow ourselves to be led of the spirit. He's not speaking to any of the things that bring death. He's speaking or diminishment, or diminishing, or any of those things that are degrading or destructive. He's speaking to that thing in us. He's, already, he's making the statement, the prophetic statement, that these are the two commandments that are greatest of all. You can split hairs if you want to, but it doesn't change the fact that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and your neighbor as yourself. The, the, the presumed posture, not that Christ is, is presuming, I'm saying the, he doesn't have to say, well, you're in the middle. He's telling us we're in the middle. He's telling us that we are the catalyst, that we are catalyzing facilitators, co-laborers with God, in the name of Jesus, by the power of Holy Spirit, to do these things. We'll deal with more of that on another day. So the everlasting covenant, there was a covenant already in place. That's why the distinction is being made here in Isaiah 61, verse 8, for an everlasting covenant, because now that covenant, the old covenant, has now been conveyed. That's why it says Christ fulfilled the whole law. So now that covenant is everlasting. It is immutable. It cannot be broken. So we've gone from covenant to everlasting covenant. 
And their seed shall, uh, where, where am I? And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord has blessed. He is not talking about a competition. He is not talking about me being better than you or you being better than me or because I don't do this, I am God's child and because you don't know, he died for all of us. We are the ones that make the determination about what that means to us, meaning God is not the one that exclude, is excluding us. We are the ones that are excluding us and trying to exclude other people. But we can't because this is spiritual and we don't rule in the spirit. And, mind you, anyone who God has given authority in the earth in any way, shape, or form is accountable to God whether they believe in him or not. So this isn't a competition. I'm not trying to convince you to believe. I am saying, I am sharing from my heart, from my spirit, based on my experiences, based on the revelation that the Lord has given me, and based on the leading of the spirit, that if you so desire, God desires you. He, he does, the reason uh, uh, we love because he first loved us. We want to sing about that. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, Lord, we love, he, we, we love you so much. No, we don't. That's not true. Because if we did, we would obey him. And a lot of the things that we end up talking about and doing and thinking, it, it, wouldn't, be, it wouldn't be possible if we loved him the way we claim. He says, if you love me, you'll obey me. It's that simple. If you love me, you'll obey me. You don't even have to tell me that you love me. Of course, we all like to hear it. Jesus doesn't need that kind of adulation to be Jesus. He says, I'll know if you love me just if you obey me. Because your obedience, first of all, is where your deliverance is, but it also allows me to bring myself in the spirit to other people so that they can have the experience of deliverance and receive my love, receive my healing, receive my forgiveness. So he's not talking about some competition, elevating some people over the others. It's deity and humanity. There are no grandchildren or stepchildren in the kingdom. If we receive, when we receive Christ, then he treats us, like he says, Abba Father. When you pray, say, Abba Father, our Father, Abba Father. What Christ did positioned us, I remember Isaiah 61, 3, going to get there in a second, positions us as sons, position, authority, whatever conveys in sonship. We have one only begotten, but we are adopted in with the same, in and through Christ, with the same, I don't want to say, it, it, I don't want to say privileges or rights, it's neither one. We, we speak in that language and we don't even understand what that means truly, but there's the, the spiritual principle of positioned in a way that, that, that God is able to operate through us because of our closeness to him. Let's let's just let's just say it. Let's just say it that way. Because of our closeness, he's able to do things in and through our lives as well as in and through the lives of anybody he brings across our paths. He's able to operate in a certain way. We all then have certain authority, but not our own authority. There's a weight. There's a weight and a weightiness 
That, if you've ever experienced it, by the way, it's not pleasant, right? It's not glamorous. <laughs> it can be very discomforting. It can be very upsetting because you, you can literally feel the Spirit of God on you. And the flesh just goes crazy. So it's not this glamorous experience, but it allows God to move through us in a way, number one, that we're conscious that it's not us. Because you really feel, at least for me in my experience, you really feel as if you're coming unglued. That's how powerful it is. I know that that's not my authority. And the whole point when he reveals himself that way is so we don't try to take credit. Moving on. So in their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. So, the, so people as all nations, this is all nations. This is not just one nation, one country, one region, one state. All nations. He died for the whole. He provides for 100%, for 100% of the 100%. If there's anyone left off, it's because it was their choice to, to exclude themselves. Not because God didn't do his job or what he committed to himself to do. So we've got to get out of this place of thinking that God is excluding people. He has never excluded people. His distinction is, do you believe? Okay. If you don't, okay. I love you enough to let you do your thing. But you're still going to be accountable. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> my soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me. And I'm speaking about me. I pray that you read this for yourself and receive this into your spirit in a way that you can rejoice in your own life, in your own experience with God. Clothe me with the garments of salvation that he didn't have to do, by the way. Please don't ever think that God has to do anything for you or me. He's already done it. Everything he needed to do, he did. That's why he says in the New Testament, therefore, you are without excuse. Not only did I do it, I'm still present with you in it. And I'm the one, if you allow me to lead you, I'm going to get you through this whole thing. Me, God, in creation, me, God the Son in manifestation and demonstration, me, God the Spirit in transformation. I don't need you, saith the Lord. I desire you, and I have provided for you, and I have made a way for you. He hath clothed me, hath, has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself. You know, we get decked out, deck the halls, clothed, I mean, decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth her bud, and as the garden causes, is causeth, causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness. And praise to spring forth before all the nations. So before I go back to verse 3, Isaiah 61, I just read to you the entire chapter. 
Before I drill down further into verse 3, let's say this. Behind, if we are obedient to this word, this word of pivot, this word of springboard, this word of immediacy, this word of urgency, behind this comes this springing forth, what I call a revive all. In the Psalms, you'll see it. I can't remember the address. In the Psalms, you'll see it. It says, revive us again. And so we're at a place in our history, in the history of humanity, where the Lord is saying, I need you all to pivot because it's time for us to, it's time for us to stop going around this mountain. I don't know what you all are doing, but it's time for me to come back in in a, in a major manifestation by my spirit, by my decision. And so I'm trying to position by, by having whoever uh, share this information with you, whether it's me or anybody else, share this information with you by my spirit, not by their intellect, not by their opinion, not by their manipulation, but by my spirit, I am positioning you for this move that's about to come. You, each and every one of you have the choice whether or not you will pivot or not. But you will not be able to say that God didn't tell you. You will not be able to say you didn't hear it because he's a just God. And he's not going to bring something where he doesn't make a call first. By that I mean he's going to show it to specific individuals. Some individuals he he might have given a word to, they're going to construe it the way they want to construe it and, sh- and send it to you any way they can. Some are going to be true and be led of the Spirit in sharing with you and telling you it's time to pivot. This is for you. God is coming in a major way. I'm not talking about end times. I'm not, oh, no, I'm not at the extreme. I'm saying we are at a pivotal point where he is saying, okay, uh, I think I need to step in because many of you, many of you need to see me differently. You've gotten hung up on your own interpretations, not just of me, but of, of, of humanity. You don't, you're confused about who you are. You're confused. And I don't mean, what I mean by that in the spirit, you're confused about what you believe. You're confused about all of these things. So I'm going to come back in and I'm going to revive you again. So I need to be in, you in a position where you can receive the fresh wind, the fresh oil, and the fresh fire that comes on the heels of your obedience, your repentance. So he says, 61, verse 11, as the earth brings forth her bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. That's what's getting ready to happen. He said, notice he said all. All means all. All means all. Not your version of all. All means all. It's an absolute term. And part of the challenge that we continue to experience and why we're not able to walk in the fullness of the power of the Spirit is because we think there's a flavor of the day for the Word of God. And he says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing new is under the sun. So you, you go ahead, whatever you need to do, but that doesn't mean anything because I've already told you. One, who I am, I've shown you who I am, and I'm here with you right now to help you in the process. So you trying to redefine me in your image is not how this works. 
Now, that being said, let's go back to uh, Isaiah 61, verse 3. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, spiritual Zion. To give unto them beauty for ashes. That is such a beautiful, no pun intended, it is such an amazing concept. When we think of ashes, at least for me, we think of destruction or, uh, you know, we put, you've got Ash Wednesday, uh, when in certain uh, cultures, when there's a death, uh, you pour ashes over yourself to express your grief. The Lord says, I'm going to give you beauty instead of those ashes. That I need you to stop mourning. That I need you to understand that joy is coming in the morning to dissipate your mourning. He says, I'm going to give you the oil of joy. This is God talking to us through Isaiah. I'm going to give you the garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness you're walking in. Walking in. Have you ever been around a heavy person? Spiritual? So one of the things that I hope, note, side note, one of the things I hope you get out of this is that we're supposed to be talking about spiritual things. We are all spirit first, spirit and soul. When the body falls off, the spirit and soul is what lives. That's why these things become important. So understand the spiritual concept behind the account of the event. Get what God is saying. Get into the word. Study to show yourself approved. Read the whole Bible. Stop making everything subject to your interpretation, even though he's already told us spiritually it's not subject to interpretation. We just think it is. But what that means is that if our own interpretations cause us to deliver a wrong word that we don't repent from, then us, we, and anyone that followed that word, we are accountable for. I need you to think about that. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So praise then is a lightness versus the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called, that we might be called the trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. So that he, (laughs) so that he is glorified. Many days, too many days, we're fighting the Lord for glory. In fact, in many instances, we're just downright usurping it. We're usurping his authority. We're usurping his glory. We act like we got here by ourselves. We wouldn't even know our names if it wasn't for the Lord. We take a lot of things for granted because we don't intentionally engage with him in this manner. We we, we have chosen what's convenient. For us, rather than what's covenant to him. So 
So God is faithful who promised. He's going to deliver. He has delivered. The difference is how the manifestation is experienced and if it's experienced. God doesn't, hadn't gone anywhere. There's a lot of people say, oh, God is still far off. Nope, he's not. Hadn't been for a long time. He hasn't been far off at least since the day of Pentecost. Now, he can hide himself. He can cloak himself. But you can never say that you believe in God, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, and say he went somewhere. No, he's still here. Omni means omni. All means all. Omni means everywhere. Or the entirety of. Do some etymology on the word. Omni. So you can't claim that he's God and then claim he's not involved in our daily affairs or he's not with us. No, he's with us. <laughs> he just might be hiding because we haven't invited him. We haven't accepted the invitation. Or he, since he gave us free choice, he says, oh, okay, they want me to be a far off. And guess what? That's exactly where he'll be, but still in the room. You will perceive him as far off because that's where you want him to be, not because in truth that's what's happening. But this is a God who promised to us that he would give us, I, I had to read this again, Isaiah 61.3, beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and that we might, might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he would be glorified. Hmm. It's an amazing thing if we allow it to be. I am not always in a position, to be honest, where I want to talk to the Lord. Meaning there are days when I'm like, Lord, I just can't do it right now. Like there's something, what I call, I think I've shared this before, inconsistencies, like what I'm seeing in the word versus what's actually happening, whether it's in my life or in the world or in something, some other situation. I'm like, okay. But I have learned, I'm going to tell you what I've learned, is that he's always here. He'll let me have my moment. He'll let me have my tantrum. And when, when I say tantrum, it used to involve falling out on the floor and crying. Right now, it may just be getting in the bed and go to sleep, taking a nap, and letting him do his thing. What I've learned is that I have to keep myself out of the way because the spirit of flesh, the flesh, this body, has its own impulses, as you know. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. It is at enmity, always fighting against the spirit of God within us. Trying to make, we, make us believe that we are the end-all, be-all. We didn't start it, and we're not going to finish it. But we do have choices to make within it. God is faithful, who promised. Consider it today. Do you want to trade? Do you want to literally be able to trade your ashes for beauty, or would you just prefer to sit in your ashes? Because it's time for us to be about it and stop talking about it. Talk is cheap. We're not getting anywhere. We cannot, even though time is passing, time is passing whether you believe in time or not. Gravity is still in effect whether you believe in gravity or not. 
God is still doing his thing, whether you believe in God or not. The question is, as the river, the current of the river of life flows, where are you in that process? Because if you want your ashes, he's going to let you keep them. If you want your spirit of heaviness, he's going to let you keep that too. If you don't want the oil of joy but prefer to mourn, he's going to let you sit right there. And when the revive all hits, it won't be intense. Intense, (laughs) T-E-N-T-S. It'll be intense, I-N-T-E-N-S-E, but it will not be intense, T-E-N-T-S. It's going to hit where we are, spirit, soul, and body internally and externally, based on our repentance, based on our obedience, based on the level of love we are walking in, based on our level of humility. So it's not going to hit everybody the same way, but it's coming. For some, it might revive that spirit, that Holy Spirit move. For some, it's going to revive all. For others, it's going to knock you out. Why? Because the power is still going to hit. What determines the effect of the power is the choices we make in the process. Are the choices. God loves you. He died for you. He's the Savior of the world. That is a whosoever will statement. Not I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. Go read it. It's a whosoever will, savior of the world. The world is humanity. Earth is the planet. The world, Earth is not the world. The world is the people on the planet. Anyone that has ever existed on the planet. And so he's made these offerings. This was Old Testament. This is the foretelling of Christ in this particular verse and many other verses in the Old Testament. We are now in, on the other side of the cross, where this is already in effect. There was a prophecy. Now we're living in it. So why are we having the challenges? Because we're not living in it. It's still available. But we are choosing not to live in it. So he loves you, but he's not going to fight you for it. That's unconditional love. He loves us unconditionally. He said the gift of free choice, the gift is without repentance. So whatever he has given us, it's without repentance. That doesn't, that what that means is, look, I've given it to you, whatever the it is, I've given it to you, I've told you how to use it. I told you to let me help you use it because you can't do it on your own. You're going to mess it up. And what do we see? We're messing it up. He says, but one thing I'm not going to do, I'm going to put before you life and death, and I've already told you, choose life. It might take a little bit of practice. You're going to make a few few mistakes. Just like a baby, a toddler growing up, they're going to trip. But guess what? That baby hops back up and they keep walking because they want to learn how to walk. And when we have that mentality in the spirit realm, understanding that being born again means being born again in the spirit. It means we don't come in as adults. It means we come in as babes. We always want to focus on the children, but we don't understand that that actually applies to us. The children... Any child at any point gives us us a visual of what that process looks like, 
But everything that God talks about is spirit first. So he's saying, and a little child shall lead them out of the mouths of babes. He's not just talking, he's not talking only about the physicality. He's talking about the fact that when you're born again, when you first receive Jesus, I don't care how old you are, you come into the kingdom as a babe. And if we didn't, then it's out of order. And God does not do anything. He does everything with decency and in order. So I don't care how many lies we tell. I don't care how many stories we tell. I don't care how many things we make up. I don't care how many flavors of the day we try to find within the word of God. We are all in the same boat. We just have different ways of going through the process. At the end of the day, we still are all in the same boat. We're in this boat of humanity. Born into the world under a chronic condition of humanity called sin. S-I-N. Seriously, in need of healing. And so Jesus says, well, I've already taken care of all of this. Now, on this side of it, I've already taken care of all of this. Here's, here's, just here's what you have to do. Abba, Father, who art in heaven. Mind you, that was before he went to the cross. So again, that was prophetic at the time. Once we receive him, we can actually say that because the, we, are, we have accepted Christ's substitution for us on the cross, so now we are positionally sons as well, even though we are not the only begotten. So God says, okay, but I gave you free choice, so you can choose. I'm not going to fight you for that. You want to think you're me? Okay, no problem. I'm not going to fight you for that. But if you want to walk with me in life, in this life and in the life to come, I'm here for you. It's predicated on these terms, though. That's all he's saying. I love you, agape. God loves you most of all. I bless you. God blesses you most of all. I am blessed to be a blessing. And by the Spirit of God, I pray you are too, or that you desire to be. You and the entirety of your home, bless, 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 peace, joy, love, honor, order, healing, restoration. Because God is faithful, who promised. He's fulfilled his promise. We can't even keep our word for half a second. But when we walk with him and we, when we allow him to truly be God, then he, in the name of Jesus, by the power of his Holy Spirit, transforms us into his image and likeness. Consider that today. He will take your ashes. He will take mine. He has taken many of them already and give you beauty instead. I love you and I bless you. Thanks for joining me today and for using some of the time, the resource of time that you have shared with me. I I bless it in the name of Jesus. I ask the Lord to bless it back to you. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.